sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match us. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. David Jason. Hey, everybody, welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. This is Pat Riccardi. And our special guest returning. Bill Cosby. No, let's not let's not go into Bill Cosby at all ever <laughs> no, again just, on this podcast. It's just me. It's Michael. Hey, Michael. And Hi. Th- this week we're doing uh, so- something that's going to be a series, but not uh, any kind of consecutive series. We'll just do it whenever. Um, I can't. I got to give Pat a break on this kind of thing. I think so. It's it's uh, '80s B <laughs> movies, so it's not even they're from the same decade, so it doesn't even fit the concept of the show. But um, but this week we did, Pat. Class of 1984 versus Society. <laughs> and you sound <laughs> thrilled to be talking about that, Pat. Well, I'm looking forward to talking about Society. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, you know that Class of 1984 was where uh, Timothy Van Patten got his start. He directed uh, The Sopranos, a shitload of Sopranos and The Wire and Deadwood and stuff. He did? He did. Well, yeah. I guess... The, Game of Thrones? Film, this film taught him to stay behind the camera. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it probably did. Actually, there was a period in the 80s where the Van Pattens were like... Or the, they were a dynasty. Even, yeah, they were. Like, every... like the, You need a generic bad guy or jerk. It was always a Van Patten. Like, I think there's more than one. I think there's, like, another Van Patten brother. Yeah, and least. then there's Dick, of course. Oh, yeah, well... The evilest of them all. And their father, Richard. <laughs> Dumb joke. Sorry. <laughs> I don't think his his name. I think his name is Foley Dick. Yeah, I that's think it's just his, Dick. That's what's on his birth certificate and on his Foley uh, Dick gravestone. Yeah, he took yeah, the Foley, Foley off. Because <laughs> there's actually another actor named Foley Dick. Dick. Yeah, it was Patton. SAG rules. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Here's what here's what I think about both of these movies. Um, I don't think, well, they, they have problems, but I think both of them could be remade into good movies. I think one of them is absolutely perfect as it is, personally. <laughs> and, it, and which one would that be? Um, I would say society okay. could not get better. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> it is perfect as it is. So, nope. <laughs> it's Well, we'll talk about a little bit. With, I don't have problems sure. with the movie other than maybe the acting uh, and some dialogue. But but Class of 1984, Pat, you uh, hated it from what I gathered. I hated it. Yeah. I, I could, like, the first three-fourths of the movie, I was like, well, this is fun to laugh at. This is a terrible movie. Let's make fun of it. Yay. And then the really disturbing rape scene happened, and I was like, why am I watching this? This is, a, <laughs> this is not good for anyone. And then they have the, the end of the movie where there's over-the-top, cartoonish violence which does not go along at all well with the the rape scene which was not cartoonish it was just disturbing and turned my stomach and just a terrible movie and perry king really was lucky to get uh any acting jobs riptide action after that (laughs) (laughs) oh was he riptide i I thought he was like scarecrow and mrs king i could i knew he was one of those dumb shows i never watched that was bruce box light oh yeah right Harry King was um, Riptide, although I don't remember what that show was about, personally. It was two guys. I don't know if they lived together, but they had something to do with the boat. And the star of the show was this nerdy guy who had a robot. Is that true? 
That's my memory of it. It might be a little bit off. I think off. you're mixing it up with Small Wonder, but... No, that's a different kind of robot. That's the kind of robot you want to grow up and marry. What did... I... Sorry, I just remember that first episode of that show, the um, the big like scene was when they were like banging some broads like on their boat, and then that's <laughs> the name of Riptide. That was the name of the boat. And well, like, I think you're talking about Small Wonder. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jamie. And then they they had to chase somebody, but they were in their like tidy whities and there was like this extended. It felt like a ten minute chase scene where they were running around some dock in their underwear, sh- shooting guns or something. And that was like the that's what imprint imprinted on my young mind. But I had never saw that show beyond that scene. Oh, the eighties! Wonderful! What a wonderful time! Well, I went. What prompted these two movies for you? Like you asked us to watch them. What was it? Oh, I, I thought this was Michael's idea. Now it's now now, John. You're, <laughs> you're even worse. Oh, I, was, I thought you got together and said, "Here's two awful movies we can watch." But no, it's all John coming up with the awful movies to watch. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you. I I was reading a I was reading a book about uh, 80s B movies, and I hadn't seen I hadn't seen either of these, so I was like, "Oh, I'll check these out." And then I was like, so, at the start of class of 1984, there's a the, right up on the screen is it's something like this could happen. This doesn't happen in all high schools, but someday all high schools might cur- turn into Lincoln High School. Let's <laughs> hope not. So I thought when the movie started, it was a satire. So I thought, <laughs> but then about midway through, I'm like, no, they're serious. They really think that this is what goes on. And then I, after I watched the movie, I looked at Wikipedia and Mark Lester, the director, it's the film he's most proud of. And he... T- and he's been interviewed and talked about how he read a bunch of articles, and that's how he wrote the, put this movie together after reading articles of real things that happened in high school. So this is supposed to be a straight drama, like Clockwork Orange. Well, sure, but I mean, I don't think it. I don't think you can watch it nowadays as a straight drama. As you, I knew you'd bring up the rape scene because it was totally disturbing and and. No, kind I of... don't think at any time you could watch this movie as a straight drama. I think he was trying to make one, but I don't think that it ever would have come across as. Well. No, it, it's. I mean, there were parts where I laughed out loud. At this movie, well, that's and also Michael Fox without a J, really odd to say, <laughs> without a J and no shake. Yeah, that was see, that was uh, before they changed the SAG rules for for uh, I don't Julie know. Dick. Wasn't was this the SCD? I don't know, dude. Are you are you speaking through a telephone wire or something? Uh, yes. Oh, okay, that's better. <laughs> a um, robot took his place. Well. Pat, obviously you don't care about the plight of inner-city school teachers. That's fine. Uh, you think... No, those, their plight has been improved by Morgan Freeman and Samuel L. Jackson, so I don't have to worry about them. And Edward James Olmos, let's not forget. Uh, <laughs> the problem was, these weren't even, like, these weren't inner-city kids. Like, this dude lived in some high-rise condo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and... And he was p- hey, John, apparently. Let me interrupt you for a second. When you say the problem, is that there's just one problem with this movie? <laughs> that was the main problem. Like, because it, it's not even like a class warfare type situation. Like, there's really no point to it. Like, which you can't say about society. Um, there's no like he's a a piano prodigy, but why? Like, the, it added okay. nothing to the movie. I, I had no idea why that was an element. Well, it was. It's interesting if you. I, I I watched this movie a while back, and I watched it again over the weekend. And I was reading Roger Ebert's um, review of it, and he's really dead on. He actually liked it because he said that it. It's one of you know his scale is like, did it do what it set out to do? Right. Is right. it what it said it was? And he actually agrees that it is what it said it was. Like you're never going to call this a good movie, but it is enjoyable. 
and I I agree. I think that it's it, it's the it's hilarious from moment one, and when it gets dark, it's like terrifying dark in a still like darkly hilarious way. Like that horrifying rape scene we're talking about, where they rape a pregnant woman, is terrifying. But she's wearing like an orphan Annie dress in that scene. <laughs> And it's ridiculous. And they never, nobody's ever seen like in a semi undress. Like one of the guys is on top of her, and there's another guy on top of him. <laughs> and it's like, is that not how you rape somebody? <laughs> like, there's more than one person being raped in that scene. <laughs> yeah. No, I can, I kind of agree with you, and I I do like the rape. With, well, there. That's the thing. It swings back and forth between between being over the top and disturbing. Like when, uh, well, we, I guess we should talk about what the movie's actually about. Sure. Um, doesn't really matter, but it, yeah. In a ahead. nutshell, uh, <laughs> what is his name? Perry King? Perry King, yeah. He's a new teacher in, in this school, and uh, they have metal detectors at their school. It's hardcore. Right. Um, and, and uh, they're, you know, the students are are a bunch of fuck-ups for the most part, and a bunch of gangs, and uh, so, but he gets terrorized, starts getting terrorized by this one gang because he kicks them out of his music class. I think that's what... That's what started started, started the whole thing, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and so then they kind of go to war with each other. They're the they're the gang that ends up raping his wife, the teacher's wife, and they they kind of go back and forth uh, fighting each other. Uh, th- that's the that's the gist of it, anyway. Yeah, it's sort of a, it starts off as like a, a one of those like high school terror movies, and but like kind of a dark rock and roll high school. If you've ever seen that movie, yeah, yeah. And then it takes that weird turn to like. Um, one of those Chuck Norris kind of movies where like he's getting revenge on everybody and it don't, it ends somewhere where you don't expect that it's going to go, but it's so ham fisted. And it's so from the moment the sh- the movie starts, you see that ridiculous warning that this isn't based on a real story, but it could happen. And then you see like class of 1984, like, like the type is like scratched in blood on the screen. Right. <laughs> and then Alice Cooper starts singing. Oh, the most terrible song ever. Maybe that's pretty much my, when I wanted to turn it off, but <laughs> And it's every single thing about the movie, which is totally hilarious to me, is that it's completely subtext free. Like, there's nothing that isn't right in front of you hitting you with a hammer all the time on yeah, this movie. I, I agree, and I I actually found it kind of enjoyable. Um, I but it does swing wildly from like that shit you laugh at to shit you just go, oh god damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I would have much less trouble with the movie if they removed the rape scene. I'd have a lot more fun talking about if, how terrible it is. If they the even if they even just had them go break into her house and cut it off there, yeah. Right. They it, didn't even need to rape her. They could have they, just kidnapped her. They could have kidnapped you know? exactly. Exactly. They uh, made but, that way too dark. <laughs> yeah. Well, they also made so And the whole movie the whole movie was like there's stuff that was it was like there'd be a little bit that's like uh make it show how bad these kids were so they're in this punk rock club and they're all fighting each other and they're all they're uh uh they bring a woman in to turn into a prostitute and that's over the top <laughs> they're terrible people and then right as the scene ends they show the guy shooting up heroin in front of everyone it's like they don't they don't they're, yeah they're not subtle at all no. <laughs> and i'm well, thinking to myself about this as i watch the movie in the very next scene the guy's wearing a uh, swastika shirt so yeah. yeah oh yeah they're the big dumb, yeah well, that was one of the things I found hilarious and also disturbing was that, like, well, first of all, it's it's hilarious that, like, 
you can't just be like a tough gang at a high school. You have to be. This dude is like Al Pacino and Scarface. He's running right. prostitutes and a heroin ring out of the back of some club, making millions apparently. I think they're trying to reference all kinds of popular movies from the time, like when the guy beats himself up in the bathroom. That's right out of Dirty Harry. And yeah. I, I'm almost sure that the plot of one of those Bronson movies was somebody got raped and Bronson went out to kill everybody. I think so. that was a plot of every Bronson movie. Yeah, was it okay? Ooh. Totally. Like this guy, who this director or writer or whatever just put all of these movies that he likes together into one ridiculous movie that the, I think the best thing about it is that it, it looks and sounds like it's a made for TV movie. Yes, but, but it was psychotically. So, yeah. <laughs> if it was made by psychos and could get away with full frontal nudity and stuff, yeah. So it would have right now be on USA. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, I. I I just kind of, I guess I miss, like, I miss this kind of movie because they don't make them anymore. Like, you you can't make this nowadays without it all being completely ironic and self-aware, mm-hmm. you know? Totally. This is just, like, in, in the same way that I'm attracted to, like, movies where you see the flaws in, like, the thinking. Because I, I feel like that's, like, what I would do. I would probably make the same stupid mistakes if I was making a movie. And it's funny that somebody who actually had millions of dollars at their disposal, or hundreds of dollars at their disposal, made this movie and made these ridiculous amateur mistakes or choices that choices, we laugh yeah. at now. And there, if there's some really, like, bizarre correlations between these two films in this film when the kids the punks are like first scaring the teacher they, they pull up in front of his house and they're all wearing masks and they squirt him in the face with a squirt gun filled with re- a red substance and in, and the wife is like what was that and his answer is it's some kind of stage blood <laughs> which <laughs> then is the exact same blood that they use when they actually start killing people and there's blood all over him like it's the same bright red you know 1970s hammer film like blood it's 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 right. ridiculous and then you know in the next movie obviously there's two moments where people get squirted in the face but yeah. it's, it's like the, there was the trend in 1980 or in the 80s to squirt people in the face <laughs> we should uh maybe for the next B movie thing, leave the eighties and go one movie from the eighties and then go to Mark Lester's most recent film from 2013 called Poseidon Rex. (laughs) Rex R E X or W R. Tyrannosaurus Rex who evolved to become aquatic and amphibious. Is that like a sci-fi movie? I guess. (laughs) Like the sci-fi TV channel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't think so. it would have said it would say it on Wikipedia. I don't see that saying it. Why I would think it, it's a Why would a T Rex want to be aquatic? That's just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> That's the question it should be asked. That's why we have to watch it. Well I guess we know now why he considers this his best film. He did Commando. <laughs> Commando must be better than this. I remember liking that when I was a kid. Oh, I think you've got him mixed up. He did the porn movie Commando. Totally different thing. <laughs> oh, I liked that as a kid. <laughs> Pat's favorite. It's just all free balding. Like there's nothing. People just putting pants on and taking them off. Nothing else happening. And but, it had a plot and a subtext to it. You, you just have to watch it over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> and it was all consensual, so Pat had no problem with it. <laughs> no <laughs> Annie dresses in this one. But we, I, I think we we've well the, we're the skipping really over the best. About the... Oh, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> no, you go. I was gonna, we're st- skipping over the the best element of this whole film which is roddy mcdowell in my opinion <laughs> he was very funny 
Oh, that poor man. Every, I, I'm like, wait, you're you're actually a serious actor, though, right? Like, but was he? He, he is, but like he had done Planet of the Apes. At this I know point, that's true. You know? That's I don't true. know. I think he always had ridiculous roles like this. I, when was he a serious actor? I know. I now that I think of it, maybe he wasn't. Maybe I just thought he was because of the British accent. He was. He was like such. A, he was like he performed the exact role that he performs in all movies. It yes. seems you know the <laughs> slightly effeminate but married quote unquote um, <laughs> drunk man, and then like him being in this movie, and then Michael Fox, Michael J. Fox again, like you guys were saying, such a minimal role. But he went on to be a star after this. Like he looks like a baby, and he's like twenty one. <laughs> yeah. Was he that old? I think he was. He was in his twenties in this movie. I think. I looked it up when I was watching it the first time, and I forgot. Yeah, now, he, was, of course. he was 21. He was born in 61. This was made in 82. Wow. Jeez. Well, yeah, he had, he, he was the good kid. Kind of, uh, Well, my God. I just see I'm remembering scenes from this. Uh, his, his, friend, his friend's death was utterly hilarious as well. <laughs> his friend that climbed a flagpole <laughs> after trying angel dust? After trying angel dust. Total after-school <laughs> special shit. And then jumped out or fell off the flagpole. <laughs> the flag ripped and he came It's <laughs> awesome. And it's, it's all shot in Canada, and it looks like Canada. It doesn't look like the United <laughs> States at all. Like no. None of the drugstores or anything in the background or anything we have here. And it totally looks like Canada. And when they, they, he falls down with the American flag, it's like, okay, where did you get that prop? Because this is clearly <laughs> not America. 13 stars. <laughs> yeah. Thirteen maple leaves. Uh, <laughs> so I, I was watching. I forgot about this because I kind of forgot all the funny things that struck me in the beginning. But it, when, when the wife first appeared, before I watched this movie, I'd start watching the the show on Netflix, the unbeatable uh, Kimmy Schmidt. And oh, is that out? Yes. Yeah, it's awesome. You should watch it. Oh, and so the, good. All right. The this... first scene, scene of the wife was like, she's just like one of the the mole women. She would have fit right in with that group. <laughs> You mean Perry King's wife? Yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> she didn't have any life of her own. She just unpacked the groceries and stayed at home. Like, <laughs> yeah. No career. She refused to leave. Right. <laughs> she bought I mean, a single stuffed animal. That was her whole like purpose in, in the movie. <laughs> well, you know the entire, the entire film that something bad's going to happen to her. Totally. Uh, yeah, well, that's why, probably why they didn't make you care too much for her. Um, and she was the executive producer. Was she? <laughs> that's what it says, yeah. Oh, oh my well, God. I guess that's how she got the role. Um, <laughs> yeah, not... <laughs> it was a coveted role. Everyone wanted it. <laughs> she put some money in to make sure she got it. <laughs> that's the way the biz works. Um, he, yeah, Roddy McDowell cracked me up throughout the entire thing, and... Nothing in the movie to me was well. Maybe the dude falling off the flagpole, but his his death scene, um, just the way the car blows oh up. Oh my god! After I forgot. Oh, yeah. it, it flips. It barely touches the other car, and then it immediately explodes. Explodes. <laughs> and doesn't the first car explode too? When all that had touched was the top of it. I can't remember. I can't remember. Oh, I just whatever. Rem- it was a ridiculous scene all all around. Yeah, it was like that scene from Top Secret or something where you, you barely touch the Pinto and it explodes, like, <laughs> except done seriously. My favorite part of that scene is that, so he's 
to, for people who will never see it, he's trying to run Everybody, down the punks. No one because see this movie. No one should see this, I'm sure. <laughs> but like, it's it's totally like he's trying to get revenge because the punks had broken in and killed all the rabbits in his biology lab violently, <laughs> disturbingly. Yes, and dis- so another like, disturbing element. Yeah. Another then, disturbing element is that they actually used real animals. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, oh God. Jesus. Canada. <laughs> They're sick. They're twisted. And so they, he had held this whole thing where he held a gun on them or whatever and tried to teach them about um, biology. biology. Yeah, he held the classic gunpoint. Because <laughs> yeah, he was he was like, he had lost his mind at that point. And, right. But then he's back out on the street, of course. Right. right. I mean, exactly. Then, there are no consequences. And he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. It's fine. He's, he held him a gunpoint, but he's fine. He's out ride, driving around his car trying to run them down. And after he hits another car and flips over and the car explodes, all the like punk teens come over and they're like warming their hands by the fire, <laughs> <laughs> like giving him the fingers. <laughs> yeah, they're bad apples, man. I, I, I think they were really trying to hit that point home. Yeah, it's like <laughs> nothing ever... surprises like these kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is subtle. I will, I will agree <laughs> with Pat. It, it, it's sort of the only subtext is that the teens are kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> they're yeah, they're uh, they're a little misunderstood maybe. Yeah, I, <laughs> I guess you could you could say that both of these movies are about uh, a dude having a really bad week. When you boil it down to it, there that's another thing they have in common. Definitely. Uh, so, but Pat, you you so found... there's a s- sequel to Class of 1984. What? There's a sequel, and it's called Class of 19, uh, 1999, and Malcolm McDowell is in that one. He plays the principal. Wait, Malcolm McDowell? Yes. <laughs> oh, so they're going for all the uh, the crazy, over-the-top English dudes named, <laughs> named McDowell. McDowell. I really thought this was going to be kind of... When, when I started watching it, John had just told me a little bit about it, and I thought it was going to be like a to sir with love. You know, like right. maybe there'd be some singing, or maybe the kids would come around to the end. <laughs> they came. They came around to uh, their own mortality. Right. It just went it was so off the rails. Like by the time that they've escalated this war, and like she's you know been raped and kidnapped, and like they're they're like hunting each other in the school. Right. And they, he's, like they come to send him a message own. while he's conducting the school musical. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That they've got his wife, so he has to leave. <laughs> and then he, the the murders that he commits <laughs> in the basement are ridiculous. Oh, and, and to set up like how it ends, I think that like it's the corniest ending of all time. But the fact that every time he goes to the principal with like something they've done, the principal says, "Well, no one saw them do it." Yeah. <laughs> so we have to give them. <laughs> oh, the I forgot about out. the text at the end. Oh, dude, the text at the end was the best part of the whole movie. <laughs> Yeah, so and he's... again, I don't think that was a joke. I think they thought that was a serious statement. <laughs> yes. Totally. It was totally like a sincere but completely ham-fisted statement. And that's that, why it was like, so hilarious. Well, yeah, <laughs> we, should, we might as well just spoil it for everybody. I mean, he, he kills all the teenagers in gris- various grisly manners. But at, and then at the end it says, since there was no one around to see it, he was never charged. The end. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, okay, I guess that's not a cop out. I mean, the the fact that he ruined his Perry King ruined his own orchestra recital 
by like hanging the dude, the you know, Timothy Van Patten <laughs> dude, like from a rope and like crashing him through the window. And he was like, he burst through and is hanging over the symphony. And the parents and the kids are all screaming and running. It's like, you ruined your own shit yeah. to kill this guy. <laughs> yep. No one saw him do it, though. You did. Yes, I, it had to happen. <laughs> well, he somehow. tried to save him first. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that was uh, true. Th- that was the heroic moment. <laughs> and then he, but then uh, Timothy Van Patten just had to be a dick and lash out at him one last time. Oh my God! And like, why was Timothy Van Patten such a dick? Like, there was no no, no explanation. Exploration. He, he seemed to have a a loving mother. Right, and you know, their apartment wasn't that nice. It was Canada nice. Right, yeah, no, it was Canada nice, for sure. Right. <laughs> but they were clearly supposed to be rich or affluent people in 1984. Yeah. And um, it, it it was, I mean, his. how could his mother be so stupid, number one? But it, it's the fact that, like, he, they never said he was a psychotic. They never showed any psychosis. He wore very questionable tops, <laughs> yeah, but that was 1982, I think. It was Canada in the 80s. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is more like U.S. in the 70s, I suppose. Like, the, the actual people looked like they were from the 70s, except for him. And except for the punks, they looked really 80s. Everybody else looked like late 70s. Yeah, especially Perry King. Oh, yeah. Well, that beard made him look like right, right today. He would have fit right in. <laughs> yeah. But then he's wearing, like, kind of Herb Tarlick suits and stuff, too. <laughs> And he's, oh my god, he's like rail thin. He's like a pencil wearing a tie. <laughs> he was like, yeah. You you maybe wonder if he was not trying some of that angel dust himself. <laughs> well, it was Canada, and then, you know, that gets around up there. I like I, how dedicated he was to teaching. People are getting killed. He's like, no, I have to finish this job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a music teacher. It's important. Damn it. <laughs> I, I thought, yeah. You know, Pat, I, I, I do agree with the, the rape scene being disturbing, but I also found what somebody mentioned earlier, somebody wearing a swastika shirt very yeah. disturbing, too. I'm like, that's that does, that's not really going to fly anywhere, is it? I think two yeah. guys wore them. I, thought, I think it was a big fat guy. The big, and yeah, the big oaf. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like the 42-year-old fat guy that <laughs> was trying to pretend that he was a high school student. <laughs> Seriously, and they and they would there was the, the rugby player in the background, yeah, <laughs> pro rugby player, yeah. <laughs> that guy was like clearly twenty five years older than everybody else in the movie. <laughs> and the um, there was He's a couple... dead. Is he really? He died in two thousand seven, age of fifty one. Oh my god! So if he was fifty one in two thousand seven, then he was forty one. So he was in his. Late twenties, early thirties. <laughs> he didn't age well. <laughs> no. But he, um, he was the the swastika thing. I noticed a lot of things like that. Like in the background, the whole school is covered in graffiti, which is like must have been a real production challenge. But the, the, that's the other other piece of trivia that the the paint they used wouldn't come off. So when school started, because it was a real school, when school started, they <laughs> it wasn't wiped off in time, and it caused some problems. <laughs> And the graffiti like made no sense. Like when if you tried to read any of it, it was like like there was there was one like section where it was like a, a person being drawn and then an arrow pointing to their butt and it said zone yes. and then it said like fuck 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 off somewhere else and it was like are you trying to talk you know, it was just it made no sense. And there were 
like rude yeah. slurs written on the wall that weren't rude. Like, you know, or the, <laughs> they were Canadian rude. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, Michael's not familiar with the butt zone. I don't know. I don't know where you were in the 80s. I didn't have that class. I guess that's what it was. It was for teacher's aides. <laughs> no, it was, I, yeah, I, I found it overall enjoyable and kind of hilarious. But I, I it's not something I would actually recommend to most people either. So there's yeah, that. If you like cult films, which, you know, we, we, I think at least John and I tend to like cult films a little bit more. And I know Laura's seen it. Yeah, uh, she has to have. <laughs> it's it's definitely worth a one-time watch for the laughs and for the crazy, like, mess that it is. <laughs> the, the other movie is, like, way better overall. Yeah, I, I would, yeah, I would, this is not worth, if you're going to pick a cult film to watch, watch, like, 25 other ones. This one's. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so... It's. I think it speaks to people of uh, around our age too, because, like Michael said, it is completely after-school special-ish, mm-hmm. and which was a, a thing in the culture then, you know, um, that they don't have now. Um, so it's it's kind of like watching it for me. I was like, oh yeah, this. It brought me back to that time. Definitely. Whereas, yeah. if you're a younger person, you're probably just like, well, this is an idiotic fucking movie. Why would why did anybody ever think this way? <laughs> totally and you know when i look at these movies i look at like was it really like that or were they like amplifying like the style and the one thing i'll say about um class of 1984 is like despite the punks being a little out there for their fashion like that was kind of the way people really dressed yeah you know, the high-waisted yeah. jeans and just kind of dumpy and dowdy and nobody really looked very good like it was an awkward looking school there were some ugly bitches in the background and everybody had that kind of like I'm really 17 look. Whereas yeah, the yeah. Other movie which I love, I love the other movie for the exact opposite reason is that everybody is a fashion plate in the other movie. <laughs> well, yeah, it, they take place in different settings, so it, right. it makes sense. Here's the other piece of trivia: all the teen extras were handpicked for their inner city appearances. <laughs> their Canadian <laughs> inner city appearances, I guess. We we do have to keep specifying Canada. Because... How about the race gang war that happened where the <laughs> <laughs> oh, the white guys won because they had bats. Yeah, that was weird too. They and I guess they had to throw a racial element in there. They felt like, to... and, and it just disappeared after that. It, yeah, it was totally yeah, gone. Yes. Yep. Well, they, the... they really won that war. So. Yeah, no blowback. It was. That's that's usually how gang wars go. You know, one side's like, oh, you won fair and square. Yeah. Although all of that gang, the the quote unquote um, black gang, was. Um, uh, they were all wearing bandanas, like you know, like like colorful <laughs> bandanas tied in their hair, and well, it was sure, like they, they were going to go break dance after the right. gang fights. They looked like street dancers. <laughs> yeah, and like they were easily beaten <laughs> by the other guys. <laughs> well, I, I think we can agree this movie doesn't quite get gritty right, <laughs> <laughs> but it might get Canada gritty right. But the, yeah, uh, I did for, uh, the the scene making the prospective prostitute strip was another one that i found disturbing and just because i was like i was like well wait but what is the point of this like is this how you is this how you audition prostitutes just seeing them naked like you can kind of tell what kind of body she has when she's got her clothes on right right and i don't know about you guys i've never i don't know if i really know anybody or have ever seen a real coke whore which is what they were you know that was her right right point she, in the story she was a coke whore she wanted to be a coke whore right and they gave her a tiny sample of Coke that was like a, 
and then she was, you know, theirs to do with as they wished. And she was she was a very healthy looking person. She didn't look like gaunt and right. like I, I mean, from what I've seen on other television shows featuring cohorts and well, she just addicts. started. She just, <laughs> She's new. She had to audition to become a, a cohort. <laughs> so she wasn't all the way down yet. So you have to start the top. <laughs> Well, that makes sense. Well, and I feel like they figured, you know, it's 1982. We have to have some oh, full frontal nudity. Oh, and I forgot nudity. her hair was ridiculous. Well, yeah, that's that's an 80s thing too. Really, I don't remember that kind of hair being <laughs> on anybody. Well, you didn't Word know you didn't know the right coke horse. I guess so. Well, she wasn't a coke horse yet. <laughs> was... I didn't know it was enough pre coke horse. <laughs> well, she had the job by the end of the movie for sure. <laughs> Oh, uh, they did have a female gang member too. I should should mention. Yeah, that was. Yeah, and they were consistent with her character. Like she liked to watch when the yes. others had sex with somebody. Yeah. So she she watched the rape and she watched the cocor get um, tested. Right. <laughs> and she wore the most improbable outfit at the end. She had that ridiculous like short skirt and like asymmetrical top on. I know that other people don't care about this, but like she looked like she was in a music video. Yeah, and no, totally. Teetering around on heels, <laughs> and yet she's running through a school and like he's killing them. And you know, and, like this is not the outfit to wear that night. <laughs> I like all the reactions to the killings. It was not we're afraid. It's like we're gonna get them. Right. <laughs> Oh no, I'm standing in gasoline. I'm going to stand here until yes. he lights it. <laughs> and when they when they do the remake, that guy who got burned by gasoline is going to be played by Sheldon Cooper, wherever that guy's real name is. <laughs> oh yeah, what's his name? Jim, Jim Parsons. Parsons. Jim Parsons. Oh, sad that I know that. John. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I do I do write my uh Jim Parsons fanfic every now and then. Uh yeah, I think we're making this movie sound like more exciting than it actually is, too, because <laughs> it's really just kind of dumb. But, but, I, but I enjoyed it for what it was. I'm with I'm with Roger Ebert. I think it set out to do what it intended to do, and it did. No, it. I don't agree with that. I mean, I can see why you enjoyed it, but I think it set out to be a serious action thriller, and I don't think it did a good <laughs> job with that. I disagree entirely with Roger Ebert. Well, I, I think it set out to be a serious action thriller, but. It didn't end up being that, even at that point. I think I think that's kind of what Michael said, Roger Ebert said. But it's still enjoyable because of what its aspirations are and what it actually is, the difference between those. I guess. <laughs> John likes it. Pat doesn't. I guess we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, should we take a break and, and talk about uh, the one you guys like better? Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, we will be right back. We had a comrade, a brave comrade, he could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero, tried talking about Shanmiro to computers wearing earphones. He almost died for conversation, hallucinations, good vibrations. Van Dyke Park's greyhound racing, steeplechasing. All right, we're back with Society, um, which I never would have guessed they would have 
titled the movie Society because they never really said the word society in the screenplay at all. I disagree. They said it a lot in the last 10 or 15 minutes. No, they said it throughout the whole entire <laughs> script. Did they? I didn't notice. <laughs> um, Billy, I was a little worried about your hearing. Billy Warlock, the, the poor man's Adrian's Med. So he's been in a lot of things like that. I should know that name. I, I recognize him, but I don't know what from what. Days Baywatch. of Our Lives. Indeed. Yes, he was a soap opera guy, and I've never seen an episode of Baywatch, but I know that he's from Baywatch. Oh, that fits. He was, and, in a, he was an ABC after school special, too. Oh. And on Baywatch Nights. <laughs> was that like the porn version of Baywatch? <laughs> I don't know. Remember there were two? Yeah, like, I, I think I one was more like a more of a crime one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> wasn't, wasn't that what Baywatch was about? Oh, were they just... I've never seen an episode of Baywatch. Well, I haven't either. Really? I've never seen one. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I might have seen a few minutes of an episode and it was so incredibly moronic that... I turned it off, but I definitely never seen a whole episode. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's straight guys' dirty little secret that like they all like to watch Baywatch, even if it's not true. I like to think that that's. I true. think I was too old when it came out for it to be like if if it had come out when I was thirteen, I'm oh sure I would have been all over it. Oh my god! It ran for eleven years. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and it was huge. It was a huge show, like overseas and stuff. Well, Hasselhoff. Well, of course, the and Pamela Anderson. She was here, too, but I just didn't realize that it was on for such a long time. Yeah. 1989 to 2000. 89? Wow, yeah, so I was 19 when it started. I was still too old for that kind of thing, I guess. Anyway. I don't think this was a show that had an age. I think just some people liked it, some people didn't. Yeah. Well, well I think a lot of people liked it just for the um, the wardrobe and the um, the blonde bimbos running up and down the beach. I feel like that's all anybody ever watched that show for. Yeah, well, I I think that's all there was to it, really, right? Oh, I, I don't mean that as a bad thing. But I never, <laughs> yeah, that was never my, uh, ever, my look. Like, the Pamela Anderson thing, I just thought was kind of grotesque and, and very, like... Uh, <laughs> oh, let's not go that far. <laughs> grotesque. <laughs> Like John's worst horror movie have has a, a busty blonde as the star. No, there was there's a thing about it that's like anti No, it's very suburban like aspirations, that kind of look to me. I I don't know how to better describe it. But you see a lot of suburban women who like try to look like that. <laughs> and but then they just lead really boring, shitty lives. Um, right. Now they're called Real Housewives. Yeah, yeah, it's a Real Housewives look, and it, it, that's always how that look struck me. So, yeah, that's that's probably. I, th- I think you did see a lot of Pamela Anderson aspiration um, looks. Yeah, for, sure. I, I, I definitely think that that happened. Anyway, that has nothing to do with uh, this great <laughs> film, Society, starring. I guess Billy we're Warlock. gonna have to have a Baywatch episode. Oh, let's not. <laughs> only if only if Michael watches it too. I oh. wish I liked it so I could insist upon it, but I don't think I'd like it. So <laughs> let's do another Wes Anderson movie. Oh God! Oh Jesus! Oh. I have to say, I listen to you guys when your your shows come out on Mondays. Like it's part of my Monday thing. And when you guys are talking about something that I am not interested in, like I just let your show go and go and go, <laughs> and like I put my headphones down and walk away. And it's still going. <laughs> 
I can't believe so, we would ever talk about anything you're not interested in, Mike. I was gonna I was gonna say I think maybe you put your headphones down every Monday morning <laughs> and come back an hour later and oh good, I can listen to something I like. And I was hoping that if I let it go it would still count for you in some way. <laughs> Even though it's already downloaded. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think they're quite tracking them that way yet. <laughs> but who knows, Obama? <laughs> but this is one that I'm interested in. Obviously, this is this is going to be a great show. So I will, you know, I will download this one and. You're saying all this too late. People have already turned it off. Because <laughs> they wanted to run out and watch Class of 1984. <laughs> um. Society, somebody want to do a uh, summarization? Pat, do you feel, you feel strongly about this movie. Why don't you do it? Uh, I don't know. This guy is in a family he doesn't feel like he's really a part of, and the whole movie is trying to find his place, so it's kind of a coming-of-age story. I didn't watch the end. I don't know how he came of age. What? <laughs> Damn it, Pat. <laughs> I, I really, here's what I liked about it, that... Uh, it had that kind of the Rosemary's Baby type thing where, like, you're not sure for a while if this dude is just super paranoid and schizophrenic or mm-hmm. if weird shit is actually going on. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, obviously we find out the answer to that. But uh, I, I, I like that I like that tone um, that keeps you, like, a little unsteady and unsure of, of what's really happening. Yeah. And I thought they did it well in the, for, for such a, a B movie, which this really is. I think, yeah, I think so. There was a real sense of paranoia. Yeah, yeah. Although it was clear that, like, when once you met the parents, like, from the first moment, you realized oh, they that, were okay, off. he's not paranoid. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, it's just a matter of time until he figures it out, but... Um... Especially the dad, who just, I, who was perfectly cast, because he would creep me out if he was my dad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the mom, who seemed, like, 20 years older than the dad. <laughs> Yes, she did. <laughs> just creepy, like like Patty Lapone's evil older sister. Like she was just, <laughs> she was such a like. The mom comes on on screen the first time, and she's wearing like one of those bitch nineteen eighties blue power suits, <laughs> yeah. and it's like open, like there's no like she's not wearing a top, so it's all like tits fully visible practically like right. she's just it's just a, a slit down the front and like her tits are visible and like okay there's something wrong with this woman <laughs> this yes. is too sexual for a mother for yeah even a beverly hills mother right <laughs> which is where they live we should mention uh i just want to say patty lupone's evil older sister would be a great uh tv show or play well, I think you better get writing right after you finish <laughs> Dolly Parton's Christmas Carol. I know. I'm still. I, I really got stuck on the Dolly Parton's Christmas Carol. Uh, anyway, yeah. That, well, that's a good. That was a good summary. So yeah, you do start finding out there. This kid's not paranoid, but he. There is some weird stuff that's kind of explained and kind of not, which I also like. Mm-hmm. Like he's in his psychiatrist's office talking to him about all this, how nothing seems right, and he bites into an apple and he looks at it, and then it's all full of worms and maggots and stuff um and then and then looks away and it's it's okay again i guess but uh but so yeah it's like that kind of thing where you're like well is he seeing what's really going on for a brief instant or is he going crazy for a brief instant right like why would they manipulate his mind to show him worms in an apple right and then take it away and but never explain they they don't explain how they that's not how they take away because with the uh, the audio tape that he gets, he gives it to the psychiatrist, and when the psychiatrist plays it back, it's completely different dialogue than what was on it originally. And they don't explain how 
how they achieve this. I mean, I guess they have powers, obviously, and weird. <laughs> These, <laughs> I, I, I'm jumping ahead, but right. So, so I guess more specifically, he's he's the 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 youngest in the house, or the son in the house, and the daughter is having a coming out party because society is a big deal in Beverly Hills. Yeah. Like, like it's known for its society. Sure. I mean, all yeah. of LA is a sparkling, you know, society scene, uh, but nothing quite like Beverly Hills. And he has to go somewhere instead of his sister's coming out party. Right. Yeah. But uh, wait, did it? Yeah. He's like, sorry, I can't. Oh, it's a, basketball game or something i think I, yeah I I, was it the this. basketball game or was it the presidential debate? presidential debate yeah i don't know uh, they don't really have presidential class presidential debates at night i don't think so i don't know <laughs> why that would be but it doesn't matter and nor would any student show up for one at night no exactly no? <laughs> <laughs> but it was this school yeah this school was very involved in this politics they, they really were well nor would any school vote for that fucking dilbert uh <laughs> looking motherfucker. That's uh, why in the beginning of the best, the the star Billy Warlock was way way ahead in the polls. <laughs> yeah, well, because yeah. he Billy Warlock had had some snappy patter and zippy dialogue. He did, and I love when they cut to, when he was on stage and saying like a joke or whatever, and they cut to the audience. They would be laughing too hard, uproariously. <laughs> At some like, dumbass. Sh- uh, oh, there, there's some really bad dialogue in this. We, you can't deny. It. The, yeah, I, so I wanted to. There's the, one of his jokes in that debate might have been the stupidest thing ever. I forget what it was. It was just something he said about the other guy, and it was just like, it was just like an observation that was not in any way interesting, and the audience was off their cracking up. Laughing. Yeah. Well, I think my favorite line in it was uh, at the party when uh, the dude pushes him into the pool and he gets out, and the and the love interest the this chick says wet dream uh, no that has nothing to do with anything that just happened that's not even a good double entendre well, wasn't it before he got pushed into the water don't make waves yes it was <laughs> well i i do like the way they brought butthead back but then the butthead joke but then they they killed it by overplaying it one more yeah, time at the end yeah you know right right <laughs> It could have been scary. That nod, that butthead joke at the end was like, oh, you just, it could have been, I'll take it a little bit more seriously, but that joke should have been cut out. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> they should have cut out that butthole. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I thought maybe a get your head out of your ass line would have been, would have worked a little better. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to all that. <laughs> so the parents, when we first see them, are, aside from being like overtly sexual people they are um also um he goes to school or something and they're they're examining the slugs in their yard with chocolates with that that japanese gardener yeah and they're like oh that's a beautiful one and it's a really weird scene it's our finest crop ever or something and they're talking about the slugs not the flowers right i was like that never made any sense well Well, they're part of the society a lot a lot of this did not make sense but but in a way that I didn't mind. Like, uh, the love interest, whose name I can't remember, who was another one who looked like she was probably in her late 20s, supposed to be in high school. Oh, yeah. But uh, her mother would go around pulling tufts of people's hair out, and she looked like uh, Mimi from the Drew Carey show, kind of. Right. Yeah. Um, Totally overly made up. No explanation for that. I don't know if she was one of the society people or not, because she did cough up a tuft of hair, which one of the like the mayor did or whoever later on right. in the show. Yeah. I, I, I didn't, I thought that was some kind of like, uh, maybe she was 
she was a part of the society, but not really a good part. Yeah, I don't well, she, really she, get that. I don't know if she could even. Also, speak. there's a reference to, like like uh, Billy Warlock's whatever his character. Do you guys know his character? Billy name? was the character's name. Billy's best friend Milo didn't like that girl, the love interest, and said, "Have you ever met her mother?" I didn't. <laughs> I didn't ever get that either. Well, yeah, he called her a prostitute. Yes. And, and Billy was like, "That was uncalled for." And he's like, "Have you ever met her mother?" And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> is her mother a big prostitute?" No. But she, Turns out, no. It's a psychotic. And she, he used her later in the movie to, to infiltrate. Yeah, he sure did. He knew her her taste for uh, human hair and used it to his advantage. <laughs> it made no sense that like that. when I first saw her mother on screen, and she's just credited as Mrs. Carlin. I don't think she has a name. Um, th- that woman is. Um, uh, I thought she was a man in drag when I first saw her. I was like, oh, it's like a divine reference or something. Right, with the and makeup later, as well. Yeah. Right, because it's so heavy. Yeah, it, it clearly looks like a man in drag, but then at the end, it's clearly not. It's you see her more fully, and it's definitely a woman. But it was a bizarre, like, complete <laughs> out of nowhere. Was she like this hair eating, like, like zombie? Yeah, she never said anything. Nope, no, and no, no explanation for her at all. But she's also dead. She's well. Oh. That's not surprising. <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, she ate so much hair, dude. <laughs> She's a method <laughs> she actress. Blocked, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, so yeah, this guy's Billy is worried about some shady shit going on with his family and and maybe other people in Beverly Hills. And then and Billy's his... shady himself. He goes into the bathroom to pick something up, and you know, you just don't look at the shower when your sister's in there. No, you don't. But he does. Well, he looks at the shower and sees through the shower that her tits are on her back so yeah, but I, I still think, you shouldn't be looking over at well, all. well maybe if you glance over and see that you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna walk up and open the door um <laughs> yeah i don't know i know that was a, a another weird scene but his best friend well i don't know the other guy said he was his best friend too so i don't know which one anyway his his sister's ex-boyfriend is trying to warn him that things are not what they seem, and so he had placed like a microphone in in Billy's sister's earring, <laughs> <laughs> so that he could tape record what uh, some conversations that were going on in their car, and so he plays it for him, and it's like his family talking about like having sex with each other and right. feasting, and it's, it's very disturbing. And but I wrote down another line that was that was from like her talking to her friends. Or, or maybe it was her her mom. I don't know. I couldn't tell. But the line was, wow, your boobs are really sexy. Guys are really going to pop hard ones as soon as they see you. Which I thought was one of the funniest. <laughs> Wait, was it hard one or hard ones? Hard uh, ones. Hard ones for pop, guys are going to pop hard ones. <laughs> <laughs> because they were in touch with how the youth spoke back in 1989 <laughs> oh they totally were well i guess i guess we have to assume they're they're the society so they wouldn't talk correctly but there's something oh there's a, something the daughter says when she comes that's not my status or that's not my uh, I, I forget now but there's a really really weird speaking <laughs> speaking ways of the the, the the kids in this movie <laughs> uh there's really weird speaking ways because the love interest too in the after billy sleeps with her i wrote this line down how do you want your tea? Cream, sugar, or do you want me to pee in it? What the <laughs> fuck? Like, what teenager That's... is drinking tea <laughs> that late at night? And and then and there's no Canadian excuse this time. <laughs> there's not. No, this is totally Beverly Hills. And I was like, 
that's not that's like even weird as a joke. I wouldn't laugh, but apparently right. he's just like, oh, whatever. Right. That, that's what she said. That's <laughs> he's used to being offered tea. And and going back to the sex scene, that was pretty. That was the most uh, like explicit sex scene I've seen outside of pornography in a long time. <laughs> was it? It was really. It seemed that way to me. Yeah, I guess it was. And this movie was rated G. Yeah, I know. Weird that it was rated G, especially when you get to the end. <laughs> it's hard for me to say because I've never seen any pornography. But I think that that scene where they're in bed together and she's like moist, you know, like on the on her back. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like he's something pulsing or whatever. And like and then suddenly he goes from like being a little sweaty to like totally drenched. <laughs> drenched. Yeah. <laughs> And that is a really explicit, like, I thought, for what this was, Yeah, that seemed like a really hardcore, quick, hardcore, <laughs> like, blast um, of, a, of a scene. Well, and then, I don't know if you guys remember the sex scenes from The Room or not, but... Um, <laughs> or the sex scene that was <laughs> edited and played back over and By over. By the way, Class of 1984, <laughs> worse than The Room. Really? <gasps> I, I, wow, I don't know about that. I don't know. Because The Room is a lot more fun to, to make fun of. It's that's true. It's true. I, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anything worse than uh, what was the other the name of the the other one we did with the room. I can't even remember now. Oh, that one was that one. I'm not even going to count that as a movie. Yeah, that's more like a fever dream. <laughs> was that things? Was that called things? Things. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This is this this is society is definitely miles above things. Society <laughs> is released at the Cannes Film Festival. So was it really? Well, they do. Was it released there to try to be sold or to a distributor? Like yeah, because I know they do that kind of stuff there with the cheaper stuff. Um, I read somewhere that, uh, maybe it was on Wikipedia, that it was released in Europe and did really well first. And then it came here three years later. Well, we should we should mention, it is a very what-the-fuck movie. Like, And, and especially oh, yeah. at the end, when you watch it, you're just like, oh, holy shit, I've never seen this before. Oh my God! But the the things that get you there, like so <laughs> yeah. after he after he leaves his sister's bathroom, the scene that really got me. And I'm sure you guys noticed this, but he goes to the beach with his um like blonde <laughs> slutty girlfriend. I yes. can't remember her name. Uh, yeah, she didn't um, matter. It's like uh, she's a cheer Shauna, I think. Like you know, one of those names. It's always a, a slut's name. But she they were laying on the beach. And she's in, like, this high-cut, like, very adult, very sexy, like, French um, hot pink bikini. And as, they, as they're as they filming it, they are right on her camel toe. I mean... <laughs> I didn't notice. I'm telling you, you've got to rewatch the scene. Because you see, like, there is no doubt. <laughs> like, it is the most f- ridiculous shot. And they stay on it for... Even though, like, he's, like, kissing her or something, they stay on her crotch, <laughs> and you can totally see her camel toe. <laughs> oh, wow. For quite a while. And then those kids come, and they squirt her and him with um, sunscreen. Sun, yeah, suntan oil, yeah, whatever it, it is, sunscreen. It's white, and it's liquid, and they spray it all in her face. Yes. Yeah, and, and then <laughs> and then he gets on his knees, gets it all sprayed on his face. Yep, <laughs> it, sprayed by his new love interest. Right. Yeah, that's because that's how people interact in the real world. <laughs> and that's then playful. new love interest really quickly fell in love. Like not only fell in love, but with, oh, yeah. With spoilers for the end if you want to watch this movie, but actually leaves her family and society to to protect him. Yes. 
but with no thought about the implications of what that means. Right. Well, they had sex once, and, right. and then they slept in a jeep for a little bit, and then she professed her love, her undying love, after that. So, <laughs> and that was like the first time they met, apparently. Well, well, yeah. The first time he saw her was in the during his speech where she kept opening her legs and right. <laughs> and then the, his friend, the moderator, was like, "She's bad news, man." <laughs> the same yeah, the guy moderate, who called the her moderator a prostitute. had problems with him, her throughout the movie, but then at the end, she he's protecting her. So. Well, because because she finally stood up for him, and you know, <laughs> and her mom helped him out too. Yeah, that's growth of character. <laughs> well, that guy was weird too because. He like, He's the one that was stalking his friend. Billy. And and, he, and Billy's asking him why, and, and he, his excuse was, I don't know, you were just acting all weird, man. Yeah. So, okay, I, there's just a, a Ken doll with a screw sticking out of his head that he sticks next to his seat. That makes sense. And then and shoves the, that in a sex doll's mouth and puts it on his seat of his Jeep. And puts a tape that says Clarissa on it. So, obviously, the best friend's been watching what he's doing. <laughs> so fucking bizarre. And so, so that was the other funny thing about this movie. Every time Billy has any kind of reaction to something, he immediately shoves the guy up against the wall. He did that to <laughs> both of the friends. He did it to his parents. He did it all throughout the movie. <laughs> he's a 17-year-old tough guy. <laughs> and he is tough because uh, he took quite a beating there at the end. And, yeah, he did. And pretty much just walked away. But yet the but love of his the, life. He knew like, the secret of shunting. <laughs> oh, God. And if she really loved him, why didn't she warn him about the shunting? Yes. <laughs> well, she did tell him not to go home. That's true. Maybe she should have been more specific. But she should have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are going to try to eat you. <laughs> From the inside out, by <laughs> glomming onto you weirdly and becoming part of you. Oh, yeah, and there's then, no good way to describe shunting. The, so there's this big party where all the society who are the rich people eat the poor, and they're, they've all been eating this ex-boyfriend for what seems like hours. Yes. And the judge goes goes over to do the final. He makes he marks on the, the beauty mark and does the final thing, and then he just doesn't get his fist or his thumb, just sticks it up his butt. I don't know why you have to go through the butt when they have the whole body open, but he goes up to the butt, and then his fist is coming out, and I think it's, his hand is facing the wrong way when it comes out of his mouth, but I guess at this point it doesn't matter. They're bendy. They're bendy people. Yes, yes they are. True. They seem to be able to recombine. And, uh... Yes. All kinds of odd ways. Well, I mean, that's the that's that's really the sweet spot of the movie, right, is the is the final scene. The, I, I don't even know if you... I mean, it's more like an orgy than a... It's like a, I don't know, there's no good way to describe that scene. I guess an orgy would be an orgy where they're all eating eating someone. Yeah. Kid, and they're all kind of writhing all over each other. And Yeah. I, guess, I imagine that's what an orgy is like. It seems like that movie is all, like, nothing in that movie is important except that scene. Like, yeah, they it, had the idea for that scene first. <laughs> and they're like, well, we got to lead up to it. You right, know, let's get to that the, scene. The guy the guy that did the, the special effects had some kind of, oh, here it is, Screaming Mad George. That was his name. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, judging from the effect, it's probably dead on, that name. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't even describe well how what they did with that, but they all just kind of became amorphous and like they're like sluggy. Yeah, sluggy. Like, like their mouths stretched they, out, and they yeah slime. Yeah. Oh. 
it was slime and they were just like taking him like they were like digesting him externally or something yeah. and then or making him easily digestible or something it was <laughs> gross but oh yeah but their their flesh and their mouths were like they weren't just on his body they become part of his body they were kind of like getting longer yes like, mm-hmm. it was really weird it was surprising, and you can tell that that literally, you know that that scene was the reason for this movie. Oh, like yeah. everything was leading to that, and it's a really long scene. Really long. And then you know, he goes up after, after at that party. He goes up. He escapes, and he runs upstairs, and he finds his parents and his sister, and they've like recombined bodies. Like the mother and the daughter. The mother stands up, and the daughter is like between her legs yeah. or something. And, her, and the mother's right, walking on her hands. Yo, I don't think they're her hands, though. I think they're the, the, the father's hands. The, the father, yeah, oh, father's hands. And then the father's got his head sticking out of his own ass. He's he does John's line where yeah. I guess I am a butthead. Yep. <laughs> Which is good to see the father had a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. There's a whole movie we're scared of him. It turns, it turns out he's really a fun-loving guy. Yeah. <laughs> putting his head up his own butt. That's the kind of stuff fun dads do for tricks. Since we're kind of just going for it on the that that bizarre scene, the 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 there was a line that stuck out to me that like kind of maybe wasn't well worded, where one of the women said when they were eating the guy and they were sort of like sucking him into them or whatever. Right. Were, the woman said, um, "Don't you know the rich have always sucked off the poor?" Yes. <laughs> 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 I don't think that means what you think it means, lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe she didn't want him to pop a hard one. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, that was that scene was without that scene. It's a it's a little paranoid horror movie. With that scene, it's you're gonna remember it all your life. <laughs> but the spice and the like, the flavor of this whole movie is in like the detail of again the the incorrect um, level of wealth that's sort of displayed in the scenery or in the set dressing. <laughs> yes. It's My like God, they, they lived tell... in a museum. Right. Like, who in the 80s in Beverly Hills was that tacky? I mean, I'm sure people were tacky, <laughs> but um, it's it's the wrong level of wealth. It's the wrong idea of what wealth looks like. Right. And it's so, such a disconnect. It's like East Coast idea of what wealth looks like. <laughs> and out here, it doesn't look like that. And um, the, the the clothes in this thing are amazing. Like, everybody looks amazing in every scene. And they're in, they're in, like, ridiculous 80s outfits that I don't even know if those things really existed. Like, Billy is wearing um, those baggy suits a couple of times, those Kotler Bugle Boy suits. And then the women, his mother is wearing that amazing suit at the beginning. And then there's a later scene where she's wearing a peach top and a peach pants and a peach headband and it's it's the most hideous outfit you've ever seen and she's wearing that to look at the slugs right (laughs) well and even his sister when she's like getting dressed and she's in her bra and underwear i was like i was seeing real people in their bra and underwear at that point in time nobody had bras and underwear like that yeah like extremely sexual like extremely like european looking yes And, like, she's, like, supposed to be 16. <laughs> I know, I know. Maybe that's why the movie was so big in Europe. <laughs> Maybe. Actually, that makes sense. Because they kind of all had that European, like, fashion sense on ugly American people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's it's obviously a, a class warfare kind of thing. Not, <laughs> not so subtle about that element of it. 
but um so you know the high society people have been around forever and they've always been this race who are who can metamorphosize and whatever um but there were still things that were unexplained that i kind of like like they people kept dying but they weren't really dead but i don't know how they weren't really dead right the uh the little poindexter dude running against him for class president died in the car with blood gushing out his neck and then i think they're able to fake deaths this society right because when they killed his best or his friend his sister's ex-boyfriend uh and then they took him to the hospital and put him in this i didn't really know what the point of any of that was right like he was alive like his friend the friend dies like early in the movie right and then he comes back at the end and he was never dead and like what what was the point of that yeah well, I, just to trick everyone to make to have him hidden and to have so that they really could eat him and nobody would... where they can touch the body in the, the coffin and say, oh they must have really had to do reconstruction <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and he like pokes through the guy's skin and nobody says anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, yes. It, this is an entertaining one. I did like uh, when they were in the jungle in Los Angeles um, <laughs> run, running through. <laughs> apparently, there's some jungle or big, huge forest in Los Angeles that I've never seen. But, well, uh, it was the 80s. Perhaps it was. it's no longer there. It's been paved over, yeah. It, exactly. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's definitely like um, the... The this the way that people were dressed and the way that like the the everything was like too too like the wrong idea of of what wealth was. Yes, like they all had brand new cars. His car made me laugh every time I saw it because Billy's car, his license plate was hoops. <laughs> like his his slutty looking girlfriend that had the camel toe, she drove a red Trans Am that was clearly like brand new. That I don't think rich people would really drive no, in Beverly but, Hills. You know, even in the 80s, I think you would drive a Mercedes if you were rich, or a BMW, or a Volvo, or something like that. Like, Trans Am was kind of a... Uh, I don't want to... It's kind <laughs> it of a trash... a car. Yeah. 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 I mean, but she, that same woman, wore an acid-washed denim dress and white boots with no heels. <laughs> and so it makes sense that she got into that car. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so much to look at in this thing. It's a, it's a real treat. Like it's it's dumb, but it's like enough to keep you like interested. And that last scene is worth the whole thing. That last like weird orgy, senseless, <laughs> yeah. goopy, gooey stuff. Yeah, you've got to see. I mean, you really there isn't anything else like that that you've seen. So yeah, no, totally. Well, and, no, go ahead. Right. No, I was just gonna say my last point that I thought was um, unexplained was I thought it was weird that um, the um, the family talked about how they they had raised Billy for the purpose of being shunted and eaten by the rest of the group. They had raised him by hand. And I thought, well, why? Why did they go to the trouble to do that? Yeah, why not when, just grab him off the street like they did with the other dude? Right. They just eat people off the street. Why did they hand raise one? <laughs> I just wanted to see what it would be like if it was, you know, instead of, you know, some people like to go hunting. Some people like to get stuff farm raised. <laughs> Takes all kinds is what I'm saying. They never even got to shunt him. <laughs> well, well, he started to get shunted by uh, by Jock Dude yeah. until he also used the trick of reaching up the guy's asshole and pulling his <laughs> face in. And I, I don't understand how he figured that out to turn him inside out. How did well, he, he was he was watching the original shunting. Oh, was he? His, I yeah, he was yeah. Upstairs with his family at that point. Oh yeah, he might have been. I don't know. 
<laughs> the logic in these movies are are so. I mean, there's they take so long to put everything together. I hate when I miss it. I hate when I can't understand things. I because I know that they're 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 very tight and make sure everything makes sense. Sure. <laughs> That's the entire point of these movies. I think. <laughs> this movie was really long. I think they could have cut a half hour pretty easy. <laughs> well, there was yeah, there was just a lot of weird shit going on that didn't serve any purpose. I was like, I had to go do something, so I, I hit pause. And I was like, well, it's almost done anyway, and there's still 50 minutes left. <laughs> you know, actually, I read, I was reading about this movie. I was looking for reviews or something right before we got on the phone, and I actually saw that um, the original version was shorter, but they added oh, stuff in. That. Yeah. And so this one is actually in, in director's cut, so to speak, I'm assuming, because like they added more stuff to like make it creepier or something. Um, they added that shower scene because he didn't think there was enough creepy stuff to start the movie out. <laughs> and they changed the beginning. Originally, it was going to be the whole movie was going to be told in flashback where he's at the beginning of the movie. He walks into the house and he has a knife. He has a knife. Yeah. Yeah. And that was supposed to be at the end of the movie. That same thing happens. And then it turns out he's at that big party. Uh, and it's supposed to be a flashback from like it's supposed to start with that and it's just how you got there but the director thought things were too confusing so he made that into a dream yeah and he added all the stuff with the psychiatrist too oh really which was the most obvious like oh the psychiatrist is in on this from the very from the very beginning yeah (laughs) yeah well yeah but even like when in the beginning credits they kind of showed you like bits of the orgy although you couldn't really quite Mm -hmm. make out what was going on but until you get to the end, you're like, oh, that's kind of what they were doing in that. That's what they were alluding to in that opening credit scene. Right. We're not going to explain to you how they get here, even when we get to the end of the movie. But here's what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> or the why of it all. It was, or just that she left with them. That, you know, the girlfriend who was one of these people of society, that she, she left with the two human beings and ran off. And that, like... What if she's just playing you, or <laughs> right. what well, if she's going to eat you herself? You don't know what's going to happen to you. Right. Well, she's obviously bred to eat somebody, so at some point, <laughs> something's probably going to happen. With her. Well, that was another thing when they, um, after they slept together, she twisted her body in a weird way, and he <laughs> looked at her and and then he's like, jumped off the bed. Yeah, he jumped off the bed. He's like, your body was twisted weird. She's like, oh, you're silly or whatever. He's like, that's the end of that. Okay. <laughs> Let's have some tea. I'll pee in. <laughs> May I pee in some tea for you, sir? So apparently it's... there was a comic book sequel to this. Oh, my God. That's perfect. Came out in 2000. I, 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 I assume it's just as good as the movie. It must be one of the top sellers. We should look it up. I'm sure it won an Eisner Award. <laughs> that's a future episode, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Rough Cut Comics. Oh, they produce some of the finest comic literature out there. <laughs> We've all heard of them. <laughs> oh, yes. Rough Cut is a Scottish comic book company, which makes perfect sense. <laughs> and I'm sure there was a bidding war to get the rights to society to make a comic book <laughs> yeah. out of it. Probably tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> they just couldn't keep Alan Moore away. He had to do it, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, so I guess we all recommend Society. That's yeah, Society beats definitely. Us in 1984. <laughs> Three thumbs up for Society. Uh, 
I, I wouldn't even say not for the weakest stomach because it's not re- like it's really kind of cartoonish still at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it was. It's not, it didn't gross me out necessarily. Nah. So even eating the eyeball and stuff, I was like, ah, oh, this. Um, all right. Well, uh, then I guess we'll go to recommendations, Asians, Asians, Asians. Michael, you're our guest. Oh, sure. Um, I would recommend um, two quick things and one longer one. Um, RuPaul's Drag Race Season 7 just started, and you should watch it because I'm going to force you to to watch it and review it on your show one day. Okay, I'll, I'll <laughs> definitely watch it. I, what channel is it on? Well, it's on Logo, but it's also like available on the internet the next day. Oh, like, okay, you can so I can watch get it, on it YouTube. legally somehow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's totally easy. Plus, um, I can I always try to copy it, uh, at least, and for people at work who don't have Logo and don't want to watch it on the internet, um, so I, I usually have a a, a copy. Oh that yeah, I can, do it. I'll shit. I'll watch it on my lunch hour. Yeah, I will. I will come up with a theme where, for a reason, we can watch that show, um, and we'll do it this season before it's over. And uh, again, we were talking earlier about Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which is amazing. You should totally watch that. Oh, I want to, yes. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that recommendation. It's really, I'm only three episodes from the end. I've liked the whole thing. Really funny. Yeah, I've only watched three at this point, but like, I it's it's filling that Thirty Rock void. That yeah, I, oh, it's very yeah. Thirty Rock. I mean, I think the the same guy's doing the music, so it's it kind of feels like. I think well, that's a her movie. husband who does the music, so of course. Well, it's I guess yeah. it's cheap cheap to get him. But there wasn't that like in the eighties or nineties there was like two movies that they used the same cast and the same set, but it was different stories. It's, it reminds me of that, like Smoke and Blue in the Face. Yeah, it, it almost feels like you could see Liz Lemon in the background of this. Right, at some right. Point. It's, it's, it definitely feels like the same universe. Yeah, and then the last thing I would recommend is another podcast um, that I don't know if you guys have ever talked about it, but I saw it in Entertainment Weekly after Serial ended, and I started listening. And it's called Rachel and Miles Explain the X Men. Oh no, I have no idea. Okay, so these guys are great podcasters. No offense, they just—they well, are quite say we. we you didn't say we weren't. Say we're terrible. But now you're now you're implying <laughs> it. So how so about you go I'm fuck yourself, into- Michael? <laughs> <laughs> they they are like they, what I like about you guys is that you just kind of ramble sometimes, and you kind of have a topic, and you kind of go off topic, and I appreciate that on Mondays when I'm listening to you sometimes but um what they do is they are so fucking razor sharp with what they're talking about and they talk so fast and they are that clearly they've got like you know somebody editing them and recording them in a recording studio or something right but if you've ever watched or read x-men comics at any point in the 70s or 80s or i guess even the 90s when they get to it they're explaining the whole series from the beginning oh i'm into that totally and they are so much fun to listen to. Like, I was reading X Men comics like you know, in the '80s and a little bit in the '90s, and kind of have read the Joss Whedon run and the Grant Morrison run. And um, they're not there yet. They start back with Stan Lee, and they skip all the way very quickly to Chris Claremont. I was gonna say, yeah, the Stan Lee should. stuff, yeah, is not worth <laughs> talking about so much. Right, well, it's terrible. worth talking about for a couple, like one episode, but after that, it's worth skipping. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally, and the, and you know these guys they have a formula, um, but I I listen to them um, like for like if I'm running or something like they're fun to listen to and they they're really upbeat and energetic, and that's not comparing them to you guys in any way. You have different shows, but I love listening to their show because it's so like concise. They get right to the point and they are explaining things that I have never understood. 
you know, in years of reading that stuff, and especially in the 80s, it, it gets really hazy, and it gets really, like, it doesn't make sense, especially in the 90s. It's a mess. <laughs> and, There's so um, many books, and, and, <laughs> and then you really don't want to read it because the art's so terrible, so yeah, it does help. Exactly. It made, it made me want to go back and read like the Sinkevich run of um, New Mutants or the um, some of the old stuff that Chris Claremont did that I forgot about. Do they and talk about uh, New Mutants as well and like spin-offs? They do. Oh, cool. Their, their plan is to start with Uncanny X-Men, the Stan Lee series, right. and then jump ahead and they they once New Mutants comes around, that's the first um, new or uh, not side series, new series, spin-off, whatever. Spin-off, yeah. And so they devote one episode to that, one episode to X-Men, and then they, they cover the miniseries. And they're up through, like, at the early 80s at this point, and they're, like, 40 episodes in. It's the height but of, X, of X-Men, yeah. It is. Greatness, it's like yeah. When they were good. Yeah. Then um, I'm sure they will make sense of whatever happened after I stopped reading it. <laughs> but I wonder if they'll ever make sense of Rob Liefeld's uh, drawings of anatomy. I don't think anybody could make sense. <laughs> I've even seen that shit, and I did, I had no idea who he was, but I, yeah, I've seen that on the internet. People tearing <laughs> yes. that dude apart. So highly recommend you. You guys should should check it out and listen to even just a couple of episodes. Say the name again. It's called Rachel and Miles Explain the X Men. All right, I'm all over that one. Yeah, totally. It's great. Cool. Well, I'm going to recommend a podcast as well, uh, which is kind of similar to that, and also in a way similar to ours pat because they sometimes ramble and and they're just kind of geeky but it's uh it's the x-files files with kamel nanjiani <laughs> where he talks about an episode of the x-files each week and has guests on he has you know like other comedians on and stuff a lot and sometimes you'll have writers from the x-files and stuff on um to talk about the episodes so uh so yeah that's my recommendation the x-files files it's a good one to listen to especially if you were a fan of the x-files did you already have that in mind yeah, how come? Well, I'm just funny that he, both of you guys had X podcasts. To oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, going What's back next to, wave. Going back to, I don't have any X podcasts to recommend. But going, oh, I did read that. Was it? What's that name of that band? X. X cat X. What's the name of the band that you had in a couple of your, of the past couple of years? X X cops. X cops. Yeah. Had a a big diatribe on Facebook. Oh yeah, the McDonald's, McDonald's which was thing. fun to read. Yeah, yeah. Um, magic for be- my recommendation. Going back to last week, where we were talking about female authors and trying to do that instead of reading all the same old, same old stuff, is Magic for Beginners. It's an anthology written by Kelly Link, and she's a really fun fantasy, horror, science fiction writer. And Magic for be- Beginners is a bunch of short stories and <clears throat> really, really good short stories. They one of them is I think her writing is. She does a good job of doing fantasy, but she also does a good job of, like, there's some of her stories are dreamlike, and not in that terrible dreamlike way. It actually feels like a dream. It's just things that don't make sense are going on, but in sense of this, in the context of the story, they do make sense. So that's what that's what a dream is like. So anyway, that's my recommendation, Kelly Link's Magic for Beginners. All right. Uh, well, cool. thanks, Michael, for coming on and talking to us about yeah, thanks. these great movies. Sure. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> was that not believable? You'll be back. I don't know that anything you say is believable oh, anymore. Good. Good. <laughs> don't trust me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pat, you want to? Oh, write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com. Rate us highly on iTunes and, and write a review. Uh, like us on Facebook. Like the individual episodes on Facebook. And tell your friends to listen.
Yeah. I'll oh. do all those right now. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Write, uh, be sure and write us, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> we don't oh, talk I'm going to write you. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, yeah, this was a, these were fun ones to watch. Uh, I'm sure I can find more 80s B movies for us to do. Uh, probably get Laura in on, on some of that action. Oh, she's the queen. Yeah. Maybe. And I'll, I'll be back in the near future for our Drag Race episode. Yeah, we'll do the Drag Race. And I guess, Pat, at some point we're going to do our, our Coen Brothers shit, right? We just got yeah, to get that together. nail that down. <laughs> to watch so. this again. I watched this I know. so long ago. I know. Sorry. It's <laughs> John's fault. Yeah. Sure. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess that does it for today, then. Uh, i got to go put this damn thing together and send it to Pat. So until next time, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.